Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halastic. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, and I can't tell you how important it is for a business to have a line of credit so that you can make an investment in your business or even for unexpected emergencies. My biggest, my business partner, Keith, and I started Financing Solutions in 2012 because of our own experiences and how hard it is to get a small business line of credit. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file just so that you can have it when you, you can use that credit when you use your line if you do. And just remember the time to set up your credit line is now, not when you actually have a problem. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Carol Sanford. Carol uh, Sanford is a consistently recognized thought leader working side by side with Fortune 500 and new economy executives in designing and leading systematic business change and design. Carol is the author of The Regenerative Business, Redesign Work, Cultivate Human Potential, Achieve Extraordinary Outcomes, The Responsible Entrepreneur, The Responsible Business, uh, No More Feedback, and I think she has some other books too. Her her books have won over 15 awards so far and are required reading at leading business and management schools, including Harvard, Stanford, Haas Berkeley, and MIT. Carol has partnered with with producing executive education through Babson College, uh, uh, Keo Spot, Spo- well, I can't even pronounce it. Keo Spot. Yes, Keo Spot. I, I, I had it, it just wasn't coming out <laughs> in Denmark and the University of Washington and also uh, the Lewis Institute at Babson, which we mentioned as well. Carol, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be here. So today's topic, small business growth, the various stages to be prepared for, um, you know, I love this idea of talking about various uh, you know, stages in a company because, you know, I've been lucky enough throughout my years to be friendly with hundreds of other business owners, um, some very small, some very big. Um, two people I know brought their companies public to a billion dollars. They were in my, my class together, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit after, after we get into it a little bit. Um, and some very small who just have like quality of life businesses, much like the same as mine. So, um, so, you know, the thing that I think is interesting is that almost every business seems to go through the same stages. Now they might go through it quicker. Or they might go through it slower, slowly, or they might not reach certain phases, but we all go through the same phases. Do you agree with that, Carol? Well, I um, th- think there's a difference between stages and phases. And mm. so my answer would basically be no and yes, but let me explain. Stages are like a linear thing. You do this stage and this stage and this stage, and then you're there or not there. So 
that's the way I heard you phrasing it. It is. Phases are what businesses go through, and they have to get over the idea that there are stages. There's no such thing, and there's no generic one for me. I believe there are two parallel kinds of phases. Now, phases mean like phase of the moon. The first quarter comes back, the second, the third, the full moon, and the new moon. So I believe all businesses that they can learn what the phases are that are cycles you have to keep working on. Those are different cycles that are unpredictable on where you'll be at a point in time, but you can manage better. If you think of it, it's like, here comes the full moon again. We, we get, we have to start a new way. I don't know whether that's going to take you where you want to go, but that's how I hold it. Well, I think it's an interesting perspective. I think I could do two different podcasts. Uh, you know, today it was more about stages. Is it more about, you know, listen, the first one is where you're, you know, the first stage, I, you know, I haven't really thought this through, but the first stage is where you're kind of finding out if you have something that people are going to buy, right? That's the, everybody goes through that, right? You know, uh, the next phase is when you, when you found that out and you're trying to, uh, streamline your operation so that you can, can give that to somebody on a consistent basis. You know, next phase is a you know more of a growth phase where you're maybe you need capital from somewhere uh, to grow bigger. You know, I, I don't. You know, I'm not here to talk about it, but I, I like what you're saying about phases because to me, fa- I, it's true. You know, you have you know a, a friend of mine who who grew up. Uh, his company to 110 million and, and did really well. He said, uh, a company grows like the way a squirrel runs <laughs> and, and it, it goes up, it goes sideways, it goes down, it goes backwards. It kind of goes all over. That to me is phases. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, not a fan of the idea of anything being linear. I think that throws entrepreneurs into a trap that they think there's a template and you go here, they're early adopters. So I am, I'm an educator, right? That's my world and how you introduce me. And I see that companies who think in the phase process do better. My companies that have been in the education uh, process I'm, I'm with grow 35 to 65% per annum in the revenue that they can grow. So I do believe there's growth, but it is woven into, it's not like a stage. So can I share with you what I think the phases are that's important for people to get in mind and to work with in an interwoven way? Would that be helpful? Oh, sure. I'd love to hear So for me, the, the uh, initiating phase, which is recurring, is strategic thinking. Now, that includes some of the things you just talked about, but it might start with people saying, who are who are we? What is the nature of my company? Like your seventh generation of small non-toxic paper products. And what we're really about is transparency. Now, how do we build and run these soap things we make and baby care products in a way that we exhibit transparency. Now, that's an ongoing question. They started with uh, printing on the label an unrequired, uh, um, mandated description of all of their ingredients. 
when you're working strategically, you're asking, who are we? How, how is it that we bring who we are into the market? Then we invent products that fits that. We understand our buyers. All that's strategic. The second phase is, and again, this is not a stage. It comes back again. We have to come back and say, who are we? Who are our buyers? How do we bring something distinctive? How do we do it in a way that fits our values? All that strategic. Secondly, we have to provide leadership and we lead into our organization. We lead into the ecosystem, the marketplace, the industry, and we even work on changing the industry and we work on uh, translating so everyone we work with, including our suppliers, understand our strategy. The third phase is work design and management practice. How do we deliver on all that all the time? Now, again, I think people think a lot of the stages like product, idea, funding, design, and then delivery. Yeah. But to me, those are um, incomplete if you don't say, all right, we have to go back and look, rethink strategy, check our execution in this third phase back against it. And all of that is wrapped with something called culture, how we're doing things that create what we are. And small companies and particularly startups think, ah, we'll worry about that down the road in another stage. Nope, you are actually setting the culture right now today with how you engage with every supplier, with every person you interview, with um, how you go to market, all of those things, if you can begin to see, we have to come back to that over and over. I think you're better off than the functional things that you're talking about. You do those, but you have to do them in the context of this bigger cycle that's going on. That's yeah. my point of view. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, there's a lot wrapped up in what you said. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so shocked often when I see all the businesses owners that I know and how little time they spend on strategic. I yeah. just, you know, you know, to me, there is a direct correlation between strategic thinking and bigger growth. It's just, yeah. it's direct. I, whenever I see a company that has exceptional growth or that, that has not failed. Right. Um, it, it's because they think strategically a lot. True. And I, I would add one thing to what you're saying, which is they make it an ongoing education process for everyone. Now, I don't mean what the top guys figured out. I mean, everybody becomes a strategist for the company. So in seventh generation, we had a woman who was just uh, a, a salesperson. And you could say, well, she should be delegated what she should be doing. But if you create the kind of company I'm talking about, which I call regenerative, and it literally means starting with the essence of what the business is about, then they all become strategists and they're thinking about how do we invent something for this customer working? So there's a woman named Susan. She invented a whole idea of baby products with Babies R Us, which unfortunately now are out of business. Yeah. But she was on the core team 
which is another kind of phase where you don't have hierarchies anymore doing the strategizing alone. You have uh, thinking partners from across the organization. That's when they do what you were talking about, where you don't have it a cascading thing from top to bottom, but you have it a process like with seventh generation, we met monthly to educate everyone about how to think strategically while we did the strategic thinking. It wasn't, you know, like the problem with most MBAs and you figured this out with your program is that uh, you do it and then you graduate and then you apply it. Nope. What you do is you think, apply, think, apply, but you also have to educate to think better before you apply. Now, educate that process of involving everyone in the company is what took something that normally has a margin of, I mean, you know this in um, consumer products, they're like lucky if you got a 10% margin, you feel like, wow, we're way ahead of the game. If you can get triple digits, if you want to get that and you want to get that 35 to 65% revenue growth, you've got to have everyone thinking about how it is you innovate because that's a source of margins, not sales reduction and discounts. So I think that education process of those strategy, leadership, operational management, work design is a living thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I mentioned in the, in the early on in this podcast that, you know, and some of our listeners know that, you know, I've, I've built six companies and I have, right. uh, you know, three right now. But the the thing that was so interesting, and I mentioned this a long time ago on another podcast, but not all our listeners listen to every single podcast, um, that when I started my fifth company, when that when I started with my business partner who had also started two very successful businesses, when we started our fifth business, it was amazing how quickly we got up to like really great revenue. And the yeah. reason being is that we knew all the things that we needed to do. Like normally that would have taken uh, someone who didn't, wasn't a business, business owner, maybe it would have taken three to five years. It took us three months. Mm-hmm. Like we had, okay, we need this process. We need this software. We need this, 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 and this, and boom. We were, we were, you know, going and that company's done very well. Um, so it's just, uh, the, the point I'm saying is, exp- and, and a big part of that getting up to speed super fast was we had the strategy down. <laughs> now, yeah. I, I, I like the word you use, uh, regenerative. Because mm-hmm. I think it, it really applies to like not only a business, but someone's personal life too. And mm-hmm. that is, and I'll use a different word, but I think this is what you mean. And that is, you know, reinvention uh, no. kind of. No, it doesn't. So tell me a little bit more. When you say regenerative, what do, what do you mean by that? I do think you need to do reinvention, but regeneration means using your essence as a source. Because like you said, we we have the strategy down. Well, you're a very smart person, Stephen. You are getting smarter all the way along. You and your partner, you're going to evolve that strategy. And if you're really, it's not, to me, reinventing is a good thing. But what really matters is it gets closer to who you are. who Because you said mm. it's personal, right? So my, for example, essence is disrupt certainty. You probably noticed I do that a lot. You say something, I say, nope. 
And I give you a whole different point of view. That's yeah. my essence. Yeah. My work in the world is to teach companies the power of that, of not getting certain about something and then running with it, getting off automatic. So regeneration is about uh, two things. One is connecting, reconnecting deeply who you are at a deeper level than you used to. By the time you're 50, 60, 70, or like me, almost 80, you have come to understand. I didn't reinvent me. I figured me out more and more. And out of that, I'm able to bring something that is deeper, newer. Uh, and my word, the other thing, regeneration has it, as in it that reinvention doesn't, is it's about evolving capacity. It's about being more able, having more capability than I did and pr promising to do things I don't know how to do, not do what I already know how to do, not even just in coming up with something new, but taking who I am and making me able to deliver on things. Like the first time I worked in Europe, I worked with Colgate Palmolive across uh, 13 countries, no, nine countries and 13 languages. I promised them to be able to redesign four things that were happening with the European common market that I'd never done. And I always promise to do things that they need that I don't yet know how to do. So regeneration has to do with what they need. I don't know how to do, but they need it. So I promise that we will do that. And then I learn, I teach me and I teach them. So it's a little different, but a very powerful idea. Well, I I would tell you, Carol, uh, um, that the the term that to me uh, that is a a new term and a I, I wish I could articulate this better. I, I I love what you're saying. I really do. I I think it's something I haven't heard before, to be honest with you. And what I think it does is like it really brings together in one word everything that a lot of consultants, authors are really trying to tell you to do with your business. Um, I'm not saying it like, it's almost like you're trying to make it more personable, your business. It's more about human nature than it is about selling a product. You're, you're making it more personal. Um, you know, this is who we are. And like you said, you're 80 years old. I'm 56 years old. Yeah. I think you and I both have learned that that if you're growing, that you are just always learning about yourself that you didn't know. Yeah. Right. At the age of 40, I didn't know I had a a gift uh, of uh, visual. I, I have a a um, photographic memory for visual images. Wow. I didn't even know I had it. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and that lend itself to a different type of career and business to take advantage of that. And I'm sure you've now, uh, what I was going to ask you was when did this whole idea of regenerative come about with you? When did you kind of have that aha moment? Well, I think it was, uh, an unfolding over decades, but I know what the initiating force was for it, which was my grandfather. Uh, I had a father who was a mentally horrible human being. He was very racist, uh, cruel to everyone around him. And I could have crumpled under all that. 
But I had a grandfather who and grandmother who were half Mohawk, uh, part of the Iroquois nation. And my grandfather taught me how not to get caught up in what other people thought about me and how it means to learn from natural systems and living systems and my own self, how to become reflective uh, and see the world uh, as something that I am a part of and not the leader of or some, no, not a big ego trip, but to submit myself to my, my own learning and discovery. And I had him for 13 years from the time I was about seven. He started working with me till he died when I was just past um, 20. And I know that having that juxtaposition of someone who, who did break my sister, but who I could see in some ways the punishment he gave me were coming from a lack of capability. That's what my grandfather would say. He'd say, don't you feel sad? Your father can't see what you see. He can't see the essence in people. He sees the color of their skin. Isn't that sad? Now, that's a very different lesson to get from someone rather than your father, by all standards, is not a good human being. So I started working even while I was growing up on educating him, educating others, and not trying to change them or judge them. That led to being able to find this idea of each of us have an essence. If we can get past the surface personality and stuff that gets in the way, we can find something deeper. And then I discovered over time, again, it wasn't an aha. It was like, oh, 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 (laughs) decades. Oh, uh, (laughs) is that we are getting closer to who we are. And even my father, when he died, he began to be able to see some parts of himself that covered up who he really was. So I, now this sounds weird. I took that into a company and I said, what's really powerful is when a founder like Jeffrey Hollander of seventh generation can see who he is. And he had a similar backstory to mind as they say in theater. Uh, and he was able to see that being able to tell authentic, true, more transparent stories rather than pull the wool over people's eyes was a good business or a good way to do business. He just had to find the place to put it. Um, So I now teach businesses, here's the way you make money. So all listeners sit up and take notice. You do essence to essence connections. Jeffrey Hollander to a set of buyers who were looking for certain kinds of products. He picked an industry and a way to do it. And then we started working on defining products for natural parents who were searching for honest, authentic, tell me the truth about what's in your products. His need for transparency matched perfectly with natural parents Mm. and with uh, deep greens who were seeking to know what they're doing to the planet. Uh, so this essence to essence is what I build that all, all of the folks, the uh, chairman of DuPont, uh, Chad Holiday, who wrote the forward to my first book, said it changed his mind about what that company was about. What was the essence of DuPont? It was about managing risk, not making chemicals. And they were doing a terrible job of managing risk and they were having financial troubles. So once we did a strategic 
phase of work and brought out what is this essence, managing risk, then we were able to start looking at the business they had. What do they want to sell off? What do they want to take on that's so risky? They want to learn how to do it and not have companies which are causing Bhopal's to do it. So it merges the essence of the founder. We got all that looking at EI DuPont with the people who are buying from them and it takes care of planetary health. So that's a long answer to how I got to where I am, but I don't think I'm there yet, Stephen. I'm well, still learning. Well, I like the story because I think, <clears throat> you know, it's a perception. <clears throat> I think that when you think of um, Native Americans, there was something that they, that is still what we feel like we, uh, as Americans, want to be. We want to be genuine. We want to be true. We want to be part of a, something that's bigger than ourselves. I mean, I think that all fits really well in the, into the whole concept of regenerative. Uh, so I, I like, yeah. I like where it kind of came about the, it, it, is there certain key ingredients that you think fit into a regenerative business? I know you said it already, but maybe, no. uh, Yes, I do. I didn't say it already. The no was I didn't say it already. What I learned, the specific thing I learned from my grandfather, and I've evolved this wording since I got it from him, but he said, if you understand how living systems work, like how a, a watershed works with the forest and the bears and the fish and the insects and the biota uh, and humans in that, then you can understand what the principles are of something alive and healthy and vital. And he taught me a way of looking at that, that I've formed into what I call seven first principles of regeneration. Or you could say the seven first principles of living systems. I'll tell you quickly what they are. And they build, they're a system. You, these are not like, well, I got three of them, so I'm good. No, <laughs> they, the, you know, it's like the watershed saying, well, I've got bears, I'm fine. Sorry, we have no fish for you, right? So the, the seven first principles that I use for myself and I invite others to play with them are see things as a whole first. We fragment, we break things down, we dissect the frog to understand frogs. Well, you got to watch a frog hopping in its, uh, with its family in a pond, right? So you start with defining what the whole is, and most of us start with a fragment, like who uh, some interview technique we do for uh, market research. And now we just fragmented the buyers. When I say natural parent, I'm looking at the whole of their life, what the process is like, not their demographic age, etc. The second thing is we understand the essence of that whole. So if I look at a child, do you have children? I have two. I have a 12 year old and a 21 year old. Okay. Yeah. They each are very distinctive, right? They, yes. if you said to the younger one, be like your older sibling, I would never say that. But never yeah. say that, right? <laughs> no. But we do try and uh, standardize so many things. And so the whole is that one child. Their essence is who they are. Like I'm a disrupt certainty. Uh, and someday we'll play with your essence. And how does that come forward? But if you start with that, then you get a whole different story. The third is, once you've seen the essence of something, you can see it has potential. Uh, 
it, it, it when you're fragments, you see problems. But you start with the whole. Now you can see it for what it is. And now you can see its potential. Now, fourth, you can develop it. Because if you're not developing it, then you're in the stages and you're going to die, right? You got a set of things and you're done. The sixth, uh, fifth thing. So holes, essence, potential that comes out of that essence, developing that potential and essence. Next is nested, which is what my grandfather taught me. You are nested in a living world. You are not the end all. You are not. I mean, I'm always think it's funny when I'm described as a thought leader. My grandfather would say, who are you leading? You better be leading yourself, right, <laughs> to your own thinking. Uh, you get all these monikers. He called me a positive contrarian. Uh, and the whole idea is I really am nested in something, and I have a role to play. You have a role to play. And out of that, together, we create something. The sixth thing is nodal, and this is a crazy word. Um, we are used to talking about scaling in the startup world, right? We're going to found it, get some money, get some A-level money and some B-level, and we're, you know, we're going to grow, and then we'll be done. We'll be there, and we'll sell it. We've got an exit strategy. Nodal is the idea that scaling is not what matters. Learning to figure out what is the core thing that will change everything is how we want to work. We don't want to work on doing more of the same, selling more product to new categories. We want to be evolving that product or that process so that it is closer to what makes Earth healthy, what makes our customers healthy, what makes our suppliers healthy. Nodal is the idea of a keystone species or the idea that if I say one thing, like if you said, ask, what would I say to my wife that would remind her? And I could watch you going through this earlier when we talked about it. What is it that you would say that would have her know deeply and unquestioningly you've got her back. You love her deeply. You're so glad she came into your life. You're the, she's the source of your growth. You know what that few things is. But on her birthday, sometimes we can't think of what to buy her. What would give me a list, right? We lose the fact that we're not connecting at the heart of something. And the last aspect is regeneration always is on a field. It works on the context, on uh, my newest book is about how to do these seven first principles. But the field is like when you go into a party, you can tell whether the, the field there is going to be a fun evening, whether it's going to be, uh-oh, there are people fighting, uh, whether it's going to be creative. You can feel that field. Well, we have to build fields to design it. So that's a little more abstract, but, you know, we don't have time to go here too far, but there's the seven, the, the the aspects that they're all related that I look for. When people use the word regeneration, if all seven of those aren't there, I know my grandfather would turn over in his grave. How do you think the effect of um, distributed workforce, one that's working out of their homes now, is affecting the whole regenerative process? Well, there's, um, I'm, I'm not sure that is affecting it. I think more what's affecting it is people's 
mindset about how you build a company yeah. because whether and if you think of every individual as someone who makes up that company you don't think of it as distributed because distributed is a little like we get more people doing more things and they're spread out but that also could be fragmented so if you're fragmented and breaking things down because you, you know, you're at home and I'm at home and a handful of people are. And so we now are forced to distribute things. I think that's not a very helpful way to think about it. If you go to strategy and you go to seventh generation or let's do DuPont since we, and you say everything is about managing risk and managing risk can be true in your safety program. It can be true in your manufacturing. It could be in uh, your suppliers like, have we really thought about how we manage the risk for them, their risk to us? If you have an uh, what I call a corporate direction, which is based on your essence, now you've woven it all together. And you have everybody, everything they do, checking back against that corporate direction. Seventh generation's corporate direction was being an authentic voice that would help people understand that the effects on their family and earth of their decisions. So now everybody is holding that. They're, the thought is distributed, not the people and the work. Uh, am I answering the question you ask? Um, that's how I heard it. You, you are. I, I um, see what's been, for some reason, I just, I've been fascinated with the idea Listen, I always feel that I always felt that the one of the biggest and I, what I've always been taught and what I've always seen in my 25 years plus in business has been that what really makes a company very successful is its culture. Okay, yeah. and and you know, in essence, w w by using the regenerative business process that you're talking about, you are enhancing people's culture. You're helping them create their culture. You're giving them a new way to look at thing and 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 don't hold me to this word and i know it's much more powerful to this but authenticity is a big yeah. part of what you're talking about and yeah. i think it's it's very but now so the reason why i think this what's creating this culture is good is 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 what's so interesting in my mind and why i seem to be a little bit obsessed with it late uh, you know within the last since the pandemic and i'll give you an example up until about the age of, I've always been, I'm always on the go. I'm mm -hmm. always very busy in a good way, but, um, uh, but I'm always, I don't like sitting down for a long period of time. And, you know, when my, my parents started getting older, you know, I was very unusual for me to have a 30 minute conversation with them. That was like unheard of. I'm just not a, I wasn't like a great small talker with them. You know, with you, Carol, it would be a little different. You know, you and I probably could talk for hours and hours and hours. We could. Yeah. But with my parents, I had a hard time doing that. But at, later on at the age of 40, as they began to age and as I began to mature, I began to, because my father later on had had some health issues, I, spend this, I started to spend four or five hours with them talking. Yeah. And what I noticed was I was like, Wow, I'm learning so much about my parents because yeah. conversations have a way of we, you know going in different directions and and number 2 was um it became easier for me to have 
a conversation with my parents to keep the conversation going. I became better at it. And, and, and so I just don't know how that's going to work when people are working out of their homes remotely. And I think what's going to have to happen is it's going to be building a culture is going to, for a business owner is going to have to be more, uh, what's the right word? Not intuitive. It's going to have to, you're, you're going to be active. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to say, this is the hour we're going to spend <laughs> building culture, you know, and talk yeah. to everybody, you know, um, in, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for, Carol, um, where it's, uh, you know, I call it indirect. You're working on the indirect things that matter, but yeah, I'm not I, sure. Well, I think it planned. That's kind of the word I'm thinking of instead ah. of culture. You know, when you get everybody in the same office, and you have lunch together or you uh, you have the water cooler effect, uh, you know, you, those culture develops uh, in, in a company, uh, you know, partly. And uh, and I, since that's going away, I think business owners are going to have to be more, uh, 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 you know, uh, working. They're going to have to work harder at it. Yeah, I, and more intentionally. And I yeah. would agree with you, but I would say in some ways – they didn't do that very well before. They no. were the 40-year-old you, right, rather than the 56-year-old you who uh, is really making an essence-to-essence connection. I mean, when you say you're learning more about your parents, you're meaning who they deeply are, not the version you had of them, of your parents making decisions, getting your way, helping sometimes, all of that. Um what I mean, I am on my son's board of directors of his company. What we did in the pandemic is we now talk weekly and we have things set up with he and the board and other folks. We have set up particular conversations we check in on that have to do with how they're um, seeing their work change. We're always asking more questions about what's changing. And that's because I believe culture is fluid and it had to become more fluid in this time, but we've never asked questions about what's changing. We've always said, how are they? Are you meeting your goals? Where, and everything was held to some standard you were supposed to achieve. If people started asking the questions, what's changing about what we see is important. And you did that at least once a month, Mark and I do it weekly. What is it that's changed about what we think need to be rituals? And that's part of what I'm talking about. Create a ritual here that we do regularly. We speak to certain things, which I bet you do with your parents. And we change the kind of things we think are taboo. Like you're probably now talking to your parents about things that you thought and they thought were taboo for parents and a son to talk about. You have to know what makes up culture. And I learned I, my second book, The Responsible Business, is built on understanding the cultural aspects of really power entrepreneurs and how they can grow so well because they learn to see uh, different uh, archetypes. And you put those in your head, you can drive culture change rapidly. So I don't think it's the the conditions, but they have made us aware of what we were not doing under the old system, what we are 
really going to fall in a hole with the new one, but they also give us an opportunity to redefine the rituals, uh, taboos, uh, what we give status and importance to, and so forth. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. So my my third company was a company called Expert Seeker, and uh, it got to number 499 on the Inc. 500 fastest growing company in the United Ow. States. It got to $6 million. Um, yeah. But but that company, um, and I don't want to get into too much details. It was it 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 it, it we caught this huge wave. I knew it was going to end at some point, um, you know. But but then I started this other company called Healthcare Seeker, uh, and that got on the Inc. 500 fastest growing company too. That got to seven million. It was on its way to doing eleven million, and then the two thousand and eight recession, just, yeah, uh, destroyed it. But uh, but what was interesting was when I had Expert Seeker, and that uh, and that was really kind of my real business, my real first business. Um, I I didn't pay attention. I didn't really know much about culture. I didn't uh, know much about. Uh, we didn't hire into culture. And then when I started Healthcare Seeker because I had had several years of experience now, I had really defined what uh, my culture was for the company. And I based it based on me, on my mm. personality. Right. And then as I added more people, the culture got more deep. And, and what was really interesting was the difference with expert seeker. I had much, much, much higher turnover mm. with healthcare seeker, very little turnover with expert seeker. I didn't like really the people I worked with <laughs> with healthcare seeker. I loved the people I worked with. Yeah. You know, with, with, uh, with healthcare seeker, we were shattering those just growing leaps and bounds and doing really, really well. Um, it was just the, the difference between, um, uh, working on your culture and understanding it, um, uh, rege regenerative, like you're saying, uh, it just to me makes complete sense from both liking your company and having exceptional results. So I want to give you my reflection of what I think happened that you did not say. Okay. Right. When you went from expert seeker to health seeker, you had discovered from your earlier companies, because this was later companies, who Stephen is. You had found essence. You had let go of some of the personality things that you probably didn't like in other people and couldn't even see they were in you. But as you got clear about your essence, you brought that forward. When true. you founded health seekers, you all of a sudden that's who you wanted to bring forward. And you say you based your personality. No, I think you were actually touching your essence and that attracted a different kind of people to you because people will be attracted to whatever it is they see. They saw your personality, which probably had 
don't mean this badly, some shallower parts of you. You couldn't have had this conversation with me. I switch gears on you. You wouldn't know what to do. You now know how to be with people. Mm-hmm. You know how to connect with who you are. You have a, a level of uh, clarity about what is important in the world. Now you're bringing that culture in. You're attracting different people. Everybody's going to be happier working in that process. That is true regeneration because it brought forward essence. It built capability and it worked on really making a difference. That's, All true. All true. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So but we're, I'm going to start a new section now. And this okay. new section is going to call Stump Carol. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you a word. <laughs> And I want to see if I can stump Carol. I just, I have a hunch that I'm not going to do it though. You can't. Uh, yeah. All right. The word is autodidactic. I'm not even sure I know what the traditional definition is, but it's the way I interpret that is talking on automatic. That no. you're, huh? No. That's so what f- the roots of the word <laughs> no, The roots of autodidact, auto is self. And didactic is uh, taught, self-taught. And okay. uh, so finally, I was able to uh, stump Carol, which, I'm, uh, but, uh, which is t- challenging. You know, but, well, I'm, I'm delighted because I learned something. <laughs> but I also think that auto means repeat, automatic. Well, I, uh, yeah. Well, what happened was there's, this is a, um, a, a lecture I saw. 20 years ago, the guy wrote a book called Leap of Faith. And oh, yeah. he said something in it that I that that has always stuck with me with entrepreneurship. And that is um, entrepreneurs are self-taught. And I think what happens over uh, you know a period of time is if you are really uh, studying and if you're if you really want to be a great business owner, you have to be reading, you have to be listening, you have to be watching, you have to be self-taught. And I think, you know, along the way, some books, a lot of books I read and a lot of people I met and a lot of things I listened to all convinced me that, you know, these were areas going from healthcare seeker, I mean, expert seeker to healthcare seeker that I needed to improve upon. Yeah. And so, um, and I think that's all part of what you're saying. I, I, you know, the thing, one of the things I'm going to get out of today's conversation is, you know, the, the regenerative process. And I think that fits that well. What do you think? Well, I would, the words I would use is I have to be self-developing because the word taught to me means knowledge seeker. And I'm not a big fan of cramming knowledge and having some right. external view. I think your point was, which I'm appreciating, is that we have to learn through reflecting on our experience, not uh, just taking other people's, quote, wisdom. You know, um, yes. there's a word for that, too. I do believe that the foundation to all growth, whether that's of a business or a human being, is learning about ourselves deeper and deeper, including who we are learning what our work is to do in the world and how we bring that into a contribution to something that makes a difference. So to me, that term is self-developing, self-determining, 
And I do believe the the intention of the word autodidactic has that in it. I just don't like its other roots <laughs> of becoming mechanical, which automatic is, and acquiring knowledge. But I think the intention you just spoke from, I'm absolutely on the same page with you. Yeah, I like it. I you know I I know two two people in particular who read, 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 and they never, I feel like they never implement what they right. read, you know? And I think that it's one of the things that I, I learned about myself a while ago that I can't do. Like I have to actually have to uh, read less because I, what happens with me is I get so many new ideas that I just, it goes crazy. And I would rather just focus on implementing what I read or what I heard, like from today's podcast. So I'm going to send you a copy, an e-copy of my newest book, which says never read a book to absorb knowledge ever. It introduces something called intermezzos, which is before you start, what are you looking for? How are you going to read? And then I introduce four of those along the way where you stop and reflect question. Where did that person get that idea? How do we know? How do we test it? How do I try it in my life? Because I think reading for knowledge is dangerous to human intelligence. So I would, I'm going to send you that just for a different mode of reading. And if you want to read it, okay. If not, ignore it. I would love to see it. I really appreciate it. Like Carol, I said in the beginning of the podcast, you and I could sit here for hours and hours and talk. Unfortunately, yeah. that's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank so very much Carol Sanford for, uh, for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Carol, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, go to carolsanford.com uh, and there are links to everything else. My books, my uh, podcast, Business Second Opinion, which critiques Harvard Business Review one article at a time and gives an alternative. My magazine that's on Medium uh, and all the programs that I run with businesses and change agents about this stuff we've been talking about, Stephen. And what's what's the native, the latest book that we were talking about that you've uh, that that you published just recently? Well, it'll be out in October. And it's called Indirect Work. Indirect Work, right? And the whole idea is to have a theory of change that's much faster. We do everything direct, hit it head on, and that's actually not how change happens. So, Indirect Work is the new one that I'm going to send you a, um, an e copy of. Well, I, I promise you I'm going to read it. So, okay. And the reason being is now I know you, and uh, so I, I know where you're coming from. So I, I look forward to reading that. Carol, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. If our listeners are interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily at Lessons for Businesses. Um, well, I tweet daily for Lessons for Business Owners at S. Halasnik, that's my last name. It's S H A L A S N I K. And um, I want to thank all of you for remembering. Uh, I, I want to thank all of you for listening today. Have a great day.